electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. Kramer is back today in Seattle. Uh, more on that in a moment. In the meantime, futures looking to add to last week's gains as we await CPI tomorrow. We assess this reported progress in Ukraine's counteroffensive. Nice gain in euro dollar today. Big week for industry conferences. Our roadmap begins with stocks in rally mode, eyeing a fourth day of gains ahead of that key inflation number this week. Plus, continued chip crackdowns, the White House reported, uh, targeting new curbs on semiconductor sales and equipment makers who help you make those semiconductors in China. And Twitter rebuffs Elon Musk's third attempt to scrap his takeover deal. Uh, he just keeps sending him termination letters, arguing the payments to whistleblower did not breach, they say, any of their obligations. Let's begin with Jim and why he's in Seattle. Jim, it is great to have you back. Uh, We missed you all last week. What is going on out west? Okay, so today we have Amazon Amazon Web Services. Now, what's interesting about this, Carl, we're going to cover both sustainability and we're going to cover digitization. And then later on, we're going to have Expedia. Again, it's about digitization. And then let's not forget, tomorrow is Starbucks. And then we've got Costco. That's that's a lineup. Uh, there is so much going on, David. All those names, some of them at code, and we'll hear more from media this week out west. Yeah, in fact, I'll be traveling later in the week as well, because as you point out, this is a big week, uh, as you also know, Jim, for conferences. You know, the, one of the questions, are we going to start to see some color in the current quarter uh, uh, from a lot of companies that might mean taking in or revising estimates based on current conditions or not? But we're in the heart of conference season, and Goldman decided to move their Communicopia conference from right down the road here to San Francisco, but that's okay. Well, David, I'll tell you what I find most interesting about this moment. Uh, when you're away for a week, you figure that you have a gigantic week and you follow it every day, that some bears would be converted into bulls. But instead, David, what I see are many people just saying it was a phony rally, they're going to give it all back. Earnings are bad. Don't get sucked in. Well, if that's the prevalence, if that's what everybody thinks, I want to take the opposite page. I want to go long. Hmm. That is interesting. Uh, I know it was Wells on yeah. Friday, David, said um, we counted uh, 25 industry conferences in the U.S. this week alone. No major earnings warnings as a result of any of them, which they take as a positive signal, but obviously anything can happen in the coming weeks. Yeah. I mean, Jim, that, you know, that is the refrain, of course, of those who continue to be negative on the prospects for the market, that we are going to see significant revisions in earnings as a result of the so-called slowdown in the economy to the extent there is one. And therefore, the P.E. multiple, while seemingly lower than it has been, is actually not really low. Right. OK, this this is at the cusp of what I'm concerned about. Let's take semiconductors. It's absolutely true that NVIDIA is too expensive. 
Uh, it is true that AMD has just started coming down in valuation. But it's also true that from peak to trough, this has been the worst semiconductor peak to trough of the last decade. So if it's so, so negative, well, didn't that somewhat be reflected, David? I mean, come on. Uh, the, the stocks that we're looking at are selling at low multiples, but more important, to have the SMH be down more than 40% and now starting to worry about semis? You used to talk about it all the time, David. What good, what value added is that? What are the analysts telling us after a decline like this? Yeah, uh, typically they're, uh, they're looking back, not forward, and they're often useless in terms of really getting a great sense as to where earnings are going to go. But, Jim, this is still a very uncertain time. I think there's no doubt about that. It's always an uncertain time, no matter what, but even more so now with so many of the cross-currents in the economy that we have and questions about what the true impact of higher rates are going to be and the fact, obviously, that the Fed is committed to uh, not just taking them to a higher terminal rate but keeping them there. I don't know. I mean, when when you talk to CEOs or CFOs, don't they seem to you to be less confident, perhaps, in their own forecast than they have been? Well, uh, yes. And, and one of the things I want to go back to what Carl said, They're, they are worried. But if that's the case, why have we only seen just a couple of significant uh, misses? Uh, McCormick was a miss, the Spice Company. Uh, Newell was a miss. And then, I don't know, you could call Bed Bath a miss, but that was a while ago. So, Carl, if, there's, if it is so weak, and if everyone's so worried, why not slash right now? Why not just say, you know what, things aren't good. That I'm not getting. Maybe there's some hope. Uh, there's some hope, by the way, it, when it comes to, to Europe because of the Ukraine offensive that has become, I think, front and center in why the market yes. could rally. Yeah. Uh, well, we mentioned uh, some of the euro strength today. Uh, euro dollar up a percent. Best day in about six months. Um, European nat gas, one month low. Uh, Germany today, Jim, saying storage could go to 90%. And then a bunch of, um, obviously, uh, hot takes on what this means for Putin's image as of competence and stability and whether or not he's going to start to get some pushback internally, uh, not to mention the operational gains that Ukraine has made. Don't want to be too historical, but uh, in the war against Chechnya in 1994, led by Yeltsin, uh, there was just a terrible defeat. And one of the reasons was that the uh, Chechnyans united against Russia. In the 1999 war, which was run by Putin, the, the amazing thing where Chechnyans abandoned Chechnya and then went with Russia. I actually believe that from the very beginning, and we forget this, that Putin felt that there were many Russian supporters in Ukraine. Major misjudgment. And then he felt that the government would collapse. Major misjudgment. He also felt that this war would be over quickly because he wouldn't want to talk about it as being a real war. He wanted it to be a police action. All these things, uh, Carl, are cutting to the belief, I believe, that Europe, the euro dollar may be bottoming, which would be incredibly important. And just one anecdotal evidence. I mean, let's say you go to a shoe store in in Italy. It's it's BOGO. It's two for one for uh, everywhere. And I think that anyone who recognizes what parity means and you have travel, I have Expedia on tonight is that Europe is just, the, the dollar is just way too strong. And Carl, if the dollar gets weak, that's a very good call versus foreigners. I know we're worried about the Fed, but before we panic about the Fed, like Mr. Ludnick, I think, would have had in the previous segment, they may be winning. I mean, tomorrow, CPI, they may be winning. Why do we presume that it has to go up, up, and up, Carl, when it's entirely possible that the only thing really left is wage and food. 
I have Costco on tomorrow. They're one of the biggest, biggest companies when it comes to food. What if food goes down? What if the wages stall? Meaning just we don't get any more increases. Then I think we put in the bottom on a lot of stocks. Too bullish. Yep. Carl, I don't think so. Uh, that's what's going to be a fascinating print tomorrow, Jim. I know Morgan Stanley's looking for uh, a month-on-month decline. Same with B of A. Year-on-year, MSC 7.9. We were doing 9.1 uh, back in June. Right. When month-on-month was up 1.3. We, we forget how dramatic some of those CPI numbers were. Yeah, uh, but we started to see signs of that prior to uh, Powell's Jackson Hole speech, where there had been a hope that there would be sort of a backing off, and there wasn't, Jim. Uh, he's your man. He continues to uh, He is my man. You know, he remains hawkish. my man. He's your man. And then there are those who are we worrying want- about other, you know, did you guys read the story about liquidity in the Treasury market and perhaps concerns there, of course, as well, given, given the, the, uh, the balance sheet is, uh, is being depleted? I don't know. Uh, you know, there's always things to worry about, Jim. Not a concern for you? Well, look, I don't like the way the two-year two and three-year trading, they are... Either they're the greatest bargains in the world at three and a half, Carl, or they are just so wrong and we're going to four and a half. I'm not buying the four and a half theory. And I'll tell you why. Because if he does 0.75 and says, look, we're now going to wait, then what are we going to wait for if you're trying to buy a stock? I mean, maybe the <laughs> midterm elections, maybe you'll be worried about those. So I am not a believer that we have uh, not seen the lows. I do think certain groups, as I mentioned, semiconductors down 40% for the year. They may have to test the bottom. But, Carl, where are all the negatives? I mean, where are all the corporate negatives? The lead story in the journal today is how we're worried about earnings. I don't know. Maybe the journalists are worried about earnings. I mean, what is the point of constant negative articles when we had one of the great rallies last week? That rally wasn't, wasn't a fluke. That rally was based on the idea that maybe things are a little better than we thought. Carl, where, what, what is the point? of being negative after a gigantic slide. You get negative uh, I, before the slide, not after. <laughs> yep, so you you agree. I mean, the JPM desk today, uh, a calming market, signs of momentum. Is it is it a green light to get long, or do you need to wait for some of these, you know, CPI, retail sales this week? Uh, I'm actually going to go with that view. I think that if CPI is tame, then we'll actually start worrying about the next number. Uh, but uh, there is not a single commodity, I found not a single one, that isn't substantially off its high. I think we're going to begin to see the idea that there are layoffs, but they're not where we thought. David, they're going to be in tech land. Those layoffs count. Whoever says that the only layoffs that you can have is that matter is Ford. How about layoffs no. among the venture capitalists who have not been able to bring a single company public in ages? David, where does it say that engineer layoffs, computer science layoffs, Stanford layoffs, where does it say they don't matter? I haven't seen that article. No, um, but it's happening. I don't, but I don't quite understand why that's not a negative for the economy. Well, we don't care. We, we need the Fed to be able to say, hey, listen, we are uh, peak wage. We, they, already okay. have to, they already said they're peak commodity. We need to be, right. You know, we know the they want to. It's not like. It, no, we know they want to provide you, some. Right. So, yeah, I'm sorry. It's always a little bit more difficult when we're far away. Um, but, uh, you know, we know they want to uh, obviously increase participation rate, as you pointed out many times, take the pressure off of wages. You think they're going to be successful in doing that? Uh, not only do I think they're going to be successful, but I think what we're going to we're we're one quarter away from major industries having to do some layoffs. 
uh, obviously housing. But the ones I'm keying on are out here. I mean, how many people will the Amazons, the Googles, this, the semiconductor companies, how many people are they going to lay off? And those layoffs count toward jobless. And if jobless goes up to four, then I think you get one more rate cut, rate hike after this. And then you talk about rate cuts next year. I'll take that. Yep. Uh, I know it's, um, I think it's uh, the San Francisco Fed. Uh, they Actually, it's Brookings, I right. think, that said Fed would need to push unemployment above 4-1 to, to get back to target. Right. But we'll talk a lot. We'll have plenty of time uh, uh, to discuss it. Rip. Uh, one but, thing that, I want to tell you, it's darkest before the dawn. Wow, thanks for that, Jim. <laughs> that is, I got to think about that one. Well, it's always, it's David, it's true. always a little, it's always hard. You came up with that truism, right? <laughs> it's always difficult. Oh, I've had it. I, I thought you, that was a like trading say, moment. I have a keen sense for the obvious, and I show it every day. <laughs> and Take I a look at the free market here. We, we need you back, Jim. Uh, we're so glad to have you, even at a distance today. We'll get to uh, some of the betting names as the NFL kicks off. Nice job to the Eagles. We'll talk with Jim about that. We got the Rails, Bristol-Myers, uh, Disney, Bitcoin, Roblox, all after a break. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. White House reportedly planning to broaden the curbs on U.S. shipments of semiconductors used for AI and chip-making tools as well. Sources tell Reuters the Commerce Department intends to publish these new regulations based on restrictions communicated in letters earlier this year to three companies, KLA, LAM, and Applied Materials, Jim. Um, it is a, a point of note this morning. Uh, it sort of fits into our broader discussion about Ukraine. How can we lean in on China to assure, I guess, in some ways, they're not going to come to Putin's rescue. You know, she and Putin are going to meet this week. This is a rather remarkable development to ramp things up. Uh, when you look at the intellectual property of a semiconductor, it really un- uniquely belongs uh, to just a handful of companies, but they can't be executed without LAM research, uh, without applied materials, without KLA. Uh, we shut down a long time ago ASMLF, which is a company based in the Netherlands, and that really hurt the Chinese. These are wheelhouse decline. These are right in the sweet spot of how to stop China. David, when I look at these companies, I wonder how this, what is the way to be able to advance yourself, shy of, I hate to say it, but going after Taiwan? Because you can't really make modern semiconductors that are ahead of the United States without these companies. And then you can't use the AI of NVIDIA? David, this is a a shot across. No, this isn't a shot across the bow. This is saying we're going to set you back and set you back big because we don't like the way you've been acting. Yeah, I mean, it also is a reflection of the deepening chasm between our two countries, right, China and the U.S. I mean, going completely separate ways, 
Um, we are re, uh, you know, bringing manufacturing back here. Obviously, we've talked a great deal about Ohio. We saw Pat Gelsinger there late last week for the groundbreaking. Jim, it's going to be a while, though, until we are uh, uh, we are fully functional in terms of actually not relying even on Taiwan. That's years away. Right. Um, whereas at the same time, to your point, you question whether the Chinese are going to be able to have anything in terms of advanced chips, given the lack of resources will be, that will be available to them from the global markets. Uh, uh, Carl, the question is, are we at an axis of evil moment? I mean, obviously, we think Russia is an enemy of our country. We're regarding China as an enemy of our country. Russia may be losing the war against Ukraine. It's entirely possible that there could be a great encirclement of a pocket of Russian soldiers. You can only imagine what that would look like. So, Carl, the way I look at this is that this is a Reagan moment. I don't know whether the president's going to embrace it, but if there really is an axis of evil, well, we're certainly putting it together. Uh, I think you could argue that, you know, reports that Russia's getting some ammo from the North Koreans, obviously, uh, do the Iranians come in and assist, but it's a pretty weak access. Uh, most, I think, Jim would argue that the lesson of the invasion has been the unanimity of the global community to rally around Ukraine and not Russia. Okay. You are so right. I mean, if you want to look at what this moment really is, and this is a fossil fuel moment, and I know that the, the Greens don't want to hear this, but our exports have been huge, natural gas and gasoline, to Europe. That has allowed Europe to be able to make it so that maybe this long winter that was thought to be uh, playing for Putin may not go his way. Putin totally overplays his hand. Putin is now left with the idea that a dictator who fails does not, is a dictator who doesn't live. If we ratchet it up, uh, and gave the uh, Ukrainians even more arms, then I think you would have this moment that is pro-Europe, pro-U.S., but mainly U.S. in ascendance because we happen to be the most uh, domestic, positive resource country in the world. Right. And, of course, we haven't even talked about an uh, you know, interesting story today in the journal about uh, manufacturing capacity in Europe in particular, for example, aluminum makers, and what may be a significant downsizing of their business as a result of the inability to get energy at anywhere near the levels they need it to be, what they pay for it, uh, to make a profit. Um, I mean, those are key questions. As are, Jim, what happens to Putin if he loses? You just raised the idea of what might happen to him. But what well, does he do if he really thinks he is losing? Well, we know that Mao died in his bed and Stalin died in his bed. But frankly, we also know that they were never defeated. Uh, when you're defeated, it tends not to go well if you're a dictator. We'll see. Uh, we'll be looking for answers potentially uh, in the coming uh, months and years. Uh, still to come this morning, cross-country edition of Kramer's Mad Dash. We'll count down to the opening bell as we do have some positive momentum continuing into a new week. True or false? Walmart has eye care. True. Stop by Walmart to save and browse top designer frames right where you already shop. And they accept most insurance. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Take a look at some pre-market gainers. You'll see BMY at the top, 7% up pre-market. Uh, FDA approves this oral anti-inflammatory for psoriasis with uh, no black box warning. Uh, potential breakthrough, maybe some headwinds for Amgen. Shares are already up 13% for the year. Opening bell in a few moments, and don't forget, you can always catch us anytime, anywhere. Just listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street Opening Bell podcast. 
All right, time now for a cross-country mad dash as we get to the opening bell. Carl mentioned, of course, Bristol-Myers at the top there of the big movers in positive territory, Jim. Very glad you're going to do it as the focus. Uh, as the company gets an FDA approval for a highly anticipated next-generation oral psoriasis therapy. Right. This is big for two reasons. One is that Bristol-Myers has been primarily known for its cancer franchise. I was concerned, like many other, that Celgene has not been able to grow. One of the things they bought, because uh, Revlimid's not growing. But this is a major uh, new leg for Bristol. Uh, Plaxoriasis, this is a much more of a... Uh, much larger market than people realize, and psoriasis is, is something uh, that's painful, but also if it works for this, it can work for many other things. So it is a big deal. Should the stock be up five? I think that the drug stocks are right, the right place to be. Uh, up five seems to be a little extreme, but when you consider that Bristol really was kind of stuck in, in a world of, uh, uh, let's just say, a battle with Merck over uh, anti-cancer, this is a really, really nice diversification. Dr. Kafaro did a very good job on this. Wasn't Bristol up on something else recently as well, Jim, or am I uh, misremembering? Well, Dr. Dr. Kafaro, yeah, he's done a, a couple of things. I mean, it's been beating Merck most recently on a, a few things, David. And he yeah. is a uh, someone who has bided his time. But you know what? Merck, key truth is not uh, trumped in the last few trials versus uh, Bristol. Uh, Bristol's still very cheap, and uh, Dr. Kafari is to be saluted because he's been patient and patient and patient. It's working out. Uh, as you say, uh, when we're talking about psoriasis, you know, uh, I mean, I'm seeing here Atlantic Equities peak sales estimate as much as four billion from what had been uh, from three billion. So this is a large potential uh, oh, yeah. uh, drug for the company, especially yeah, it, given the clean label that so it received from the FDA. There's so many other illnesses. There's so many other illnesses that are connected to, to plaque psoriasis. And, uh, having at one point uh, had the challenge of this, I can tell you that the, that the drugs that are currently being used are second rate, I think. And this could be first rate. Uh, so therefore, would jump immediately to the, to the uh, first, to, first in class. Meanwhile, Jim, we mentioned uh, your birds over the weekend. And we do have uh, Penn Nat and DraftKings up today uh, on some of the, not just the I guess volume of uh, anticipated uh, betting, but also some of the parlay busting upsets. And uh, you could look up and down the uh, the game uh, schedule yesterday, and there were a few of them. Yes, I mean now these these trades very specifically on approvals, but at the same time, anything that gives you uh, volatility plays into their hands. Uh, I don't want to get too excited about them until they're getting their cost down for, uh, for acquisition. Uh, it's just too much money to be able to open accounts. Hey, David, you know, one of the things that I, I've seen with these gambling things, we didn't even talk about Disney. I mean, is Bob Chapek talking about being a competitor to DraftKings, FanDuel, Pennant? Or is he going to have an advertising model? You know that they spend a, a, a fortune on fantasy. But they don't even have fantasy, what's known as DFS programming, that would be right against their Schefter-led fantasy. So I don't know. I think it's time for Disney to figure out whether they want to be advertising or they want to be fee-based. And I think if they're fee-based, stock was a big. We're going to have more on that after the bell here, Jim. We can discuss it a bit more, including those comments from Chapek, which, to your point, were not particularly uh, telling in terms of what the actual strategy is going to be, Carl. Yep.
uh, Disney up a percent before the bell. Uh, it's going to add at least a couple points to the Dow. Let's get the opening bell on the CNBC real-time exchange with the big board. It's Permian Resources celebrating the merger of Centennial Resource Development and Colgate Energy Partners. We'll talk to the co-CEOs in a few moments. At the NASDAQ, uh, Castellum, a Nordic commercial property company. David, Jim sort of set up Disney in the wake of uh, the D23 conference. Uh, we did get some new previews of uh, Avatar 2 and Black Panther 2, and then, of course, uh, ancillary headlines about JPEG, about Loeb, about Hulu, Disney Plus, and so forth. Yeah, uh, and again, to Jim's point, you know, not uh, not that much from Mr. JPEG in terms of exactly what a new strategy may be for ESPN, but certainly pushing back against this idea that the asset would be better off um, no longer a part of the Disney family. Now, that was something that was introduced as well. By the way, uh, I mean, it's not like it's a, a, a thought that hasn't occurred to people inside Disney for years uh, and to any number of bankers, but it was also a part of that Loeb letter from a few weeks ago that we brought you. Um, and we, we kind of had doubts about it even then, uh, initially, because it didn't seem to be part of the way Disney is thinking about ESPN right now. Jim, which is much more a part, first of all, of an important bundle, which is Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, and Hulu, not to mention the prospects that you um, alluded to of what you can do in the new world of gaming and betting uh, in terms of incorporating ESPN. So, uh, you know, Chapek sort of just simply saying, did a number of print interviews, you know, we have a plan, it will restore ESPN to its growth trajectory, when the rest of the world knows what our plan is, our, our plans are, they will be as confident about that uh, proposition as we are. Those were his quotes, I think, to, uh, to the FT. All right, well, okay, so it wasn't that specific. Uh, now, I think there are a couple of things. Uh, theme parks are where they have to double down on. Uh, but, David, I, I come back and say, when someone, when a CEO says there were multiple buyers if they wanted to sell ESPN, even just a, yeah. a month ago, I would have said, who's a buyer? David, who's a buyer? Well, you know, I think you could imagine um, private equity certainly having some interest in it. Um, you know, you would, but it would, the, the, the idea of spinning ESPN is it's still a very significant cash flow producing asset that can uh, support a lot of debt. Now, obviously, it's not growing, it's shrinking. Um, but you might imagine that there might be some interest uh, from private equity or linking it with some other assets. Um, but not clear to me exactly where you've got the cost of programming only going up in terms of what they're paying for sports rights. Certainly we talk about the NFL, but even the NBA and others, other sports leagues. Um, and so it is a, it's a difficult place where they find themselves, Jim. I, I don't know if there were other potential buyers that would be more strategic. Particularly, you'd have to get an awfully large price, particularly with the idea being that if you were to spin it, as was thought a possibility, you'd want to put a lot of debt on it. So I don't know. It has been around for a long time as a thought of a potential spin. Don't forget, Hearst still owns 20% of this thing. Um, and they have certain rights there as well. But it's going to stay a part of the company. And I guess there's a plan. You know what I'm going to have an opportunity to do, Jim, is ask Mr. Chapek about that. Um, because I am going to have an opportunity to sit down with him at the Communicopia conference later in the week, uh, where he will be so that's my why, guest. So well, we are looking forward well, to that. Can you ask him about Hulu, David? Can you ask him about Hulu? That was kind of odd, wasn't it? 
I will ask them about Hulu. I will ask them about ESPN. I will ask them about Disney Plus. We're going to have a long-ranging sit-down interview. Don't Very forget much to ask them about the that. theme park in New Mexico. Don't forget about <laughs> to ask them about that theme park in New Mexico with the 300,000 acres that I proposed. If it's the last thing you do, Jim, you're going to cut the ribbon on the opening of that New Mexico theme yeah. park. And, and Carl, that was going to be my lead. I was in no. I would think because of Jim's I was in idea Italy, for a, a, I didn't put the shovel to Ohio. That, that's where I'm going with, right? Right. So that's the first question, Jim. Don't you worry. Well, don't worry because I know the answer. <laughs> um, well, you know, Iger spoke at I'm Code last cryptic. week. Pretty interesting comments. He did actually get into a bit, David, the metaverse. Yeah. Um, said it was interesting, but early uh, today, Jim Cowan. While we think it's uh, an enormously important technology, we also think realization of the metaverse could be at least 10 years away. They initiate Roblox underperform 31 target. Ooh, 10 years. Um, if that's the case, then uh, Mark Zuckerberg is going to be in Sunrise Senior Living when this thing takes off. <laughs> um, I'd rather think that what's going to happen is metaverse is going to start being uh, different <laughs> Your metaverse is going to be integrated. Uh, by the way, I think that, that, that Meta is going to start charging for WhatsApp. But you know, there are companies that want to be in the metaverse kind of as a mall. Uh, when, I do believe that when Chapek talks about the, the uh, metaverse, David, what they're re- yes. uniquely talking about is the idea of being able to isolate players in football that you may be betting on, one of the 55 million people who plays uh, uh, fantasy football. Otherwise, I think we got to drop the name metaverse because it's just too funny. And you know, maybe we call it something like Moneyverse. Hmm. Okay. I'm still no. uh, trying to imagine Zuckerberg and Sunrise Senior living. <laughs> He's going to go through there like with his karate stuff, right? Just cleaning the place well, out, kicking everybody's butt. Well, then, uh, dangerous, that Zuckerberg. You, that's one of the best. Well, you know, look, if it's not going to start making money in 10 years, I mean, we're talking about yeah. a 30-year time frame. And in 30 years, you know, I mean, maybe he's working on something about light, uh, longevity, Carl. Maybe he's got a longevity game going. I'm sure he does. They all do. And probably also going to Mars. Maybe he'll get a spot on Elon Musk's rocket, you know, cultivating well, uh, the speaking next Speaking of Mars, did you notice I'm in the Space of... Needle? Did what about the Space that? Needle? I'm in the Space yeah. Needle? That's yeah. where I am. You're in That's it. why it's dark. Yeah, I am it. The needle. Starbucks, Costco. You know, today, uh, Amazon Web Services. I don't know if you know those guys. Part of Amazon. Uh, And then Expedia, which could help you book a trip to Mars. Mm. I know, Carl. Um, Probably far. Guys, uh, in a a largely positive uh, tape with the Nasdaq up over half a percent, uh, did want to mention Twitter is down one percent. Elon Musk's lawyers, they don't stop. You got to give them that. They just keep coming. October 17th is when we're going to trial in Delaware. That is not likely to change at this point. Um, But they did come with the latest of what has been, uh, you know, a series of um, termination letters, essentially. This one was dated, what, uh, the 9th of September, um, saying, hey, you know, you you entered into a, a a severance agreement with the whistleblower Zatko um, without giving Musk notice and sinking his consent, which he asserts is an uncurable violation of Section 6.1E and 7.2A of the merger agreement. Of course, we have a response as well from Twitter, which says, yeah, we don't agree with you. Uh, You know, (laughs) 
I don't know, Jim. I mean, we saw this figure into a, a, a small deal earlier this year where Toma Bravo got a price cut, but that was obviously they didn't go to trial where they sort of allege something s- somewhat similar. There's what, uh, what uh, excuse me, what Twitter's lawyers say, uh, as was the case with each year of purported terminations. Musk Party's third purported termination is invalid for the independent reason that Mr. Musk and the other Musk parties continue to knowingly, intentionally, willfully, and materially breach the agreement. Twitter was up uh, substantially last week, in part because the trial was not uh, pushed back. And while the judge did amend his counterclaim, she did not really allow for significantly more depositions or time to prepare for trial based on the whistleblower's claims, Jim. Well, to me, David, this is not going uh, Musk way. And I think that one of the things that Musk has never really faced is a recalcitrant leader of any sort of regulation. Uh, and he can't thumb his nose at a chancellor. He, he's not able to make fun of the chancellor. It must just chafe him that he can't call the chancellor stupid or an idiot or a mountbank or a fraud because she isn't. She's real smart. And I think she's going to try to force these two to do a deal or just say, you know what? Pay up. Pay up, Musk. You're like everybody else. You come to my court, pay up. We're in Delaware. I don't think he knows Delaware. I think he thinks he's, that's like the rest of the states, David. Uh, well, we've, we've discussed this any number of times. It will be fascinating. We're getting close to a month out from the trial, Carl. Um, and it will be a five-day trial. Obviously, the decision will not be immediate. Um, but we will see whether she, in fact, does order specific performance. Obviously, still a very large spread to the 5420. And as Jim mentions, but, you know, this latest back and forth would indicate otherwise. You know, there is always the possibility that two parties reach some sort of a settlement, so to speak. Um, my read right now on the Twitter board is they're not interested. Yeah. Uh, that always can change. <laughs> that always can change. Yeah. Great call. Yeah, October 17th is rolling around fast. Uh, Jim, we ran a couple chirons this morning about Bitcoin. Uh, 22,421 is the highest since August 19th. Actually, Friday was a top five day for Bitcoin in the last 12 months. And then, of course, you got uh, MicroStrategy issuing uh, half a billion in new shares to buy even more. Uh, your thoughts on where crypto is? Well, I, I think that there, you know, Sam. Sam Bankman-Fried is trying to play the role of J.P. Morgan, uh, the original J.P. Morgan. Uh, he managed to try to stem the managed to stem the decline. Rather amazing. Coinbase starting to go up, and some of the big holders are, I would say, being bailed out. Uh, I still think that that Bitcoin is part of the speculation, Carl, that the Fed doesn't want. I think that he, that when you think about what should go down, what the Fed wants to go down, I think it's uh, speculative assets wherever they are. And uh, you're looking at the most speculative asset theories. We also want to get to the rails, Jim. I know David mentioned it earlier, um, the possibility of a strike by the end of the week. Uh, And because of that, we do face the prospect of some of the major lines starting to reduce their levels in advance of that, uh, starting today, actually. Although there's been some defense on the street uh, of some of the Canadian lines. I know you've been talking about this for months. Yeah, look, I, I thought that Bank of America's call about upgrading Union Pacific, perhaps the most, uh, let's say, the most stressed when it comes to labor, was pretty gutsy. I, I don't think you do that unless you feel that you got a pretty strong uh, sense that things are going to work out here in the end. Uh, when you look, by the way, at, at wage inflation, look no further than the rails. I mean, again, I'm trying to think constantly 
about what Powell may be thinking. The rails, even though they're not as many employees as there used to be, I mean, in order to be able to get those employees back after COVID, they're paying much more. And again, it comes back, Carl, to the same thing we keep hearing about, that it, there's a big reduction in the workforce uh, because of COVID that we don't talk enough about. And I do think that, uh, yeah, I think that Barron's is right. Costs will rise. And the Fed doesn't want that either. The Fed wants to see costs fall. And that has not happened yet for uh, anything but the raw commodities, Carl. So it, it, it's not reassuring. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, two-year break-evens, Jim, are closing in on target. I mean, they're basically two, three. Well, I don't know. I, I, look, I, I've been buying two-year and three-year paper uh, because that's one of the assets I'm allowed to buy. Uh, David, I find two- and three-year paper when you're my age and you can't really do much until a few years from now. Uh, that's a perfect piece of paper for me. Those are great because you can't touch them anyway. And, and we're not losing. Think about we're it, not David. Losing. Three-year. Well, Think right. about a 20-year yeah. paper for you. 30-year paper for you. Is that something you. you might be interested in? Is, is that how long I got still to before I get that's out of the, here? 20 more the years? The Zuckerberg 50-year really? bond. How about a Zuckerberg 50-year <laughs> bond? <laughs> he'll really be in Sunrise Senior. <laughs> On Mars, of course. He'll be there. Maybe he'll even, who knows, go further. His rocket ship's going to be even better, Carl. Yeah, with yacht culture and pretty soon it'll be rocket culture, right? Yeah. Uh, quick reminder here, you can always get in on the CNBC Investing Club with Jim. Just sign up and find out more. CNBC.com slash join the club. We like to provide a QR code for you as well. Before we go to break, we're uh, in the Fed speak blackout window. Uh, with that, all yields are down across the board. Two-year, 352. S&P just a stone's throw here from uh, 4,100. And the Dow's up almost 200. Busy week. We mentioned the, the macro that's headed our way, CPI, retail sales, Empire, Philly, Michigan. But Congress is also back to work. We're watching Ukraine. And as we said, busy month for conferences, Salt, New York, Goldman Sachs, Communicopia, the UN, B of A, healthcare, and real estate. We're back in a moment. All right, let's dive into the energy sector, uh, sector the, uh, this morning. Permian Resources begins trading today. It's the combination of Colgate Energy and Centennial Resource Development. It was a, about a $7 billion merger of equals uh, that took place recently. We're joined at Post 9 now with uh, Permian Resources co-CEOs, James Walter and Will Hickey. And by the way, we should point out, stock now trades under the ticker PR. Guys, nice to have you here. Um, I'll throw out the first question, let either one of you decide, given your co-CEOs, which one wants to answer it. But you are talking about, you know, um, planned activity levels, uh, therefore targeting crude oil production growth of about 10 percent in the fourth quarter of 2023 over the fourth quarter of this year. Um, And the possibility of generating as much as 1.1 to 1.3 billion of free cash flow. So just give me a sense as to why you're confident in that 10 percent growth number, fourth quarter to fourth quarter and the free cash flow numbers you put out there. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take that one. So currently, uh, Permian Resources is already running the six or seven drilling rigs that we need to execute on that growth plan. Uh, both businesses were growing pre-merger, and we feel very confident in our assets in the Delaware Basin. We're in the best basin in the onshore U.S., and we have some of the best assets in that basin. So really, this is just continuing to execute on what both companies did pre-merger with the new team, and we're very confident that this new team together will be better than we, either one was kind of before the deal. You know, speaking of team, and I know Jim's going to have a lot of questions for you, how are you guys apportioning the co-CEO roles? Because to be frank, sometimes those things don't work that well. Uh, and I'm sort of curious as to the conversations you've had and where you see each of your responsibilities being to allow you to, 
to actually work well together. Yeah, so, so Will and I have been co-CEOs for the past seven years, so it's, it's worked really well for us, and it, it's really natural. Like, Will has a technical background. He spent most of his career prior to starting Colgate at Pioneer Natural Resources, so he oversees engineering, production, operations, geology, and I've got a transactional background, so M&A, legal, land, and it works really well. I think it's been a, a great part of our success story. Jim? All right, so James, uh, it sounds like uh, you're right from the beginning adopting a a pioneer-like method of payout. You are determined to give the shareholders cash flow. Can you speak to that? Because in the old days, of course, it was drill, drill, drill. These days, you seem to be very much favoring a position where you have 10% growth, which therefore allows you to return an amazing amount of money. Any thoughts about what kind of, at these prices, yield you might have? Yeah, I mean, so I think we're in the unique position. We can grow and return meaningful capital to shareholders. I'd say returning capital is in our DNA. We founded the predecessor to Permian Resources with the, the sole goal of maximizing investor returns through distribution. So we're really excited. And I, you know, I think, you're, I don't know exactly today, I think you're probably looking at about a 14 or 15% all-in return of capital yield with a dividend yield that's approaching 2.5%. So yeah, like you said, Jim, I think it's, it's really competitive and it's, it's up there with a lot of the big boys in E&P. Well, uh, Will, you should know that I mean, my travel trust is, is incredibly overweighted with oils because we absolutely love that return. At the same time, we feel that the market has not been very kind to the group. Uh, I, Reuters reported in December of 2021 that Colgate sponsors uh, were, were exploring an IPO. A better way to be able to come public than this, than an IPO? Yeah, I'd say this transaction was, was way better. I mean, I think that the assets that the Centennial transaction, the people that that brought, this really builds a bigger, better company than we ever could have done on our own. Well, if that's the case, uh, is the idea to, uh, let's say, put continuous areas together and therefore take advantage of the idea that, uh, as we've seen time and again, say with Pioneer, that if you can just take the same number of rigs, move them over, uh, it's the expense structure is really terrific. Yeah, definitely. I'll take that one. I mean, as you look at this merger, we are we're definitely cutting a lot of costs out of the business, you know, from a, a little bit from the headcount perspective, but really from just operational synergies. Both, both businesses were very, very good at what they were doing pre-merger. And we've been really surprised as we kind of laid best practices next to each other. There's a lot of extra fat we can cut and we can adopt the best things that Centennial did, the best things that Colgate did to really set up Permian resources for success going forward. And, and on the kind of well, the longer term it, it does feel like I was afraid that you paid too much for it. Uh, and clearly not. I mean, the market is saying right now that we're thrilled with the combination. And I think, once again, it's because that yield you just mentioned makes me feel like people can get great yield right here from the patch. How many years do you think you can sustain something like that? Pioneer is saying, Mr. Sheffield saying many, many years uh, before they have to worry about uh, cash flow declining as long as oil stays above, say, 75, 80. Yeah, I mean, I think we can sustain this production level for, for decades. We have one of the highest quality assets in the entire Permian Basin, which, like Will said, is the best basin, we think, in North America. So, you know, I think at, yeah, at $75 or $80, we can sustain this really indefinitely. Indefinitely. I mean, now, of course, the demand overall over time for what you're producing may decline. Yeah. Given the proliferation of electric vehicles. Yeah, and I, I was using the 70, 75 to $80. You know, I think, I, I think we feel good about, about the demand side, too. I think we're, we're in a period where we're seeing the results of, of years of, you know, underinvestment in the space. That's, you know, it doesn't look like that's changing anytime soon. 
So despite what may be lower demand over a long period of time, you feel like you're well positioned to go out well past, let's call it the next 10 years? Yeah, I mean, just being in the lowest kind of break-even basin in the onshore U.S. with some of the best assets in that basin just gives us a lot of confidence that we'll be one of the last ones standing. Guys, appreciate you stopping by. Congrats on, uh, on the deal. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you all. Meanwhile, Jim, you got a busy night tonight. What's on MAD? Well, I'll tell you, I'm so excited because we have Amazon Web Services, and that's, uh, we have uh, Adam Slipsky. And remember, Amazon Web Services is a very sustainable a company within Amazon, but also, of course, one of the great drivers of the earnings. And then we have Expedia. Are, are people traveling again? How are they doing it? Is this the way they are doing it? Uh, I'm also watching, by the way, uh, my Apple Watch and my Apple uh, devices because we've got a change in iOS. And then once again, next week, we've got a huge, huge 14 launch. Apple is doing quite well today in the market because of that. All right, Jim. And then when are we going to get you back home? I don't know. I'm going to you know, fly on Wednesday night, try to catch an hour or two of sleep, and then be ready. They have to wear the same suit. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, typical, uh, typical Kramer week. Uh, we'll see you back here, and we Thank look you. forward to tonight. Uh, Mad Money, of course, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Got uh, some nice open uh, in, in progress. S&P 4109. All sectors are green. Uh, Dow's up uh, 270. Don't go anywhere. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. 